Lala's the LinkedIn expert teller. She loves rainbows. Why don't you give her a follow? Follow. It's almost like by being my weird, goofy, talkative self, it gives other people that space to take that deep breath and go, I can drop the pretense with her. I don't have to pretend to be this version of myself. I can embrace the things that make me different and I can breathe out, you know, like, well, you're not a woman, but like taking your bra off at the end of the day, you're like, finally, this feels so good, I'm relaxed. And it's like, because I'm that way, people feel like they can take their metaphorical bra off around me and not have to pretend to be something that they're not. Hey guys, and welcome back to season two of The Daily Hustle. This season is lined up to be bigger and better than ever. In this episode, we had Leah Turner, and if you haven't heard of her, go on to LinkedIn and check her out, LEA Turner. And anyway, in this episode, we discuss the challenges of starting out in business, how Leah scaled her business to 600K in the first two years, how to build communities on LinkedIn, knowing your worth and charging your worth, and on top of that, how to deal with your mental health while scaling a business. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Leah Turner. So Leah, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been a really interesting one because we've known of you for a fair few months now. Actually, one of our staff members, Indri, who's currently on maternity leave, really loves and adores your content. So she is especially excited to have you on. You've had a really interesting life so far. Uh, You worked in a bakery, went off to do an office job with some developers, and then you started your first business, which was a transcription business. So tell us a little bit about that journey and how you got to where you're at now. My gosh. Well, firstly, thanks for having me. It's nice to be here. So yeah, I I left school at 16. Just my own mental health wasn't very good. And I wasn't enjoying being at school. And I didn't really know what I wanted to do. So it was just right for me at the time to get a bit of structure and and direction. And I randomly started working in a bakery, which I loved (laughs) because I was interacting with people and eating all day. And then I worked in a post office, I worked as a secretary for developers. And then I was working as an office manager for building consultants, went off traveling for a month, and decided that I absolutely loved traveling and I needed to make some extra money so I could afford to do it more. And I started my first side hustle, which was a transcription business, because really all I was good at was spelling and typing really, really fast. So I started that and within the first month, I had a whole bunch of clients. There's a real need for what I was doing. And six months in, I doubled my wage. So I think four months after that, I quit the office job and went traveling again for a month and then came back and ran my transcription business full time which I did for nine years and in between that time I fell pregnant with my son who I'm a lone parent to and always have been a lone parent to and I kind of had to stay doing that because I was sort of in that benefit trap of if I went and got a job I'd be earning too much to be able to get financial help and without financial help I couldn't afford childcare and rent so I stayed working for myself And then I logged on to LinkedIn in 2019 and I sort of went, God, this is dry. This is not what I want to do. And I didn't really have a choice because I had no marketing budget. I didn't really have any clue how to market myself or, or where. So I just started posting. And at first it was boring, like the work, me trying to get sales. And then I sort of thought, fuck it. 
<laughs> and I started posting memes and talking about my life as a single parent and traveling and, and silly stories about stuff that had happened at work. And my traction suddenly took off. I think I went from 400 to 10,000 followers within the first few months. And I was getting a lot of business. And it went from just me working on the transcription to having five freelancers. So many people were asking me, how are you doing what you're doing on LinkedIn? How are you getting all these leads? So I started giving people advice and they were like, oh my God, this has worked. And then I ended up having a conversation with a lady who'd paid a lot for LinkedIn training, a lot, and had no benefit from it whatsoever and was really stressed. And I had a call with her and gave her some free advice, which worked. And she really felt so much more confident doing it. So I officially offered my first LinkedIn training session at the end of April, 2020 for free just to see if it was something that I would enjoy doing and it went really well and so I started charging for it and I've gone from that to where I am now Um, I think I had 25,000 followers when I started LinkedIn training so that was within the first sort of six months now I'm like 160 something thousand millions of content views every week if I go viral it'll be more than that so yeah it's been a crazy ride what would you classify as a viral day? If you I think virals, through? like for me, virals, like over 3,000 reactions. Yeah, yeah. I sort yeah. of think viral, but generally, like I've never gone massive viral, not like in the 20, 30, 40,000 reactions. I've never quite gone that far, but then I don't use any engagement pods or engagement accelerators. So yeah, <laughs> no, but it's, it's, it's actually about the quality of those people engaging with you as well. The comment sections for me are are much more important and the conversations that I get going in the comment sections of my posts are more interesting to me than the numbers. I'd love to understand if you were to go all the way back to the point where you just started that transcription business, what would you tell yourself there? My God, I hadn't got a clue. I'd never run my own business. I put an ad on Gumtree back in the day, just saying audio transcription. And I bought the equipment that I needed, which I think cost me like 80 pounds. And I bought them secondhand. I had an old laptop and a transcription pedal and a pair of headphones. And that was all. And I just had to find someone that was willing to pay me. So I I started off offering it really low price. So I was sort of undercutting the competition so I could get some experience. And then once I had a little bit of experience, my confidence had gone up. I charged more and new clients I was charging more to. I, d- I don't think I'm probably best placed to give advice because I was working ridiculous hours because I had a full-time job. So I was getting up at 6.30 in the morning, driving to work at eight, but I was doing an hour and a half of typing before work, then driving to work, coming home, doing two, three, four hours typing when I got home from work, having about four or five hours sleep and then doing it all over again. It's so working weekends, evenings. I mean, I was full on 2012 for me it's just a blur I worked 80 hours a week if not more I think if there's something that you're good at that you enjoy doing make it a side hustle find people that need it and charge them for it and if you have to start with a low price to get your foot in the door do it don't keep them too low for too long because otherwise you'll be taken advantage of but I think that's it if you're going to run especially a side hustle you've got to be prepared to put in the hours but take care of yourself at the same time because no money is worth your mental health. I remember when I first started my business, it was a side hustle Mm -hmm. at the start. And then it was when we didn't really have much lined up. I just kind of got fed up with my job. And I went, you know what, January, 
new year, new me, let's go. <laughs> and it was the same kind of thing. And I just had to put in everything to make it work. But it sounds like 2012 for you was a bit of a hamster wheel moment where you're just running around. <laughs> like I, I did not stop. I was just yeah. working insane amounts. And then I, I took a month off and went back to Asia and came back with kidney stones. Oh no. <laughs> it's not ideal. And my first week of business was doubled over in pain with kidney stones trying oh, to my keep my clients happy. And I think that was one of the key things is that I made myself indispensable to a couple of my clients because I did mm. medical transcription. And yeah. there's a real lack of good medical transcribers because they all have jobs in hospitals. So because I was freelance, yeah. I was like gold dust. And I didn't charge like crazy money, but I made myself completely indispensable. My customer yeah. service, my my customer retention, all of my clients that started working with me, I kept the entire time and never lost a client. That yeah. just shows how much dedication you put into it. And actually on that point as well, one thing I've noticed, especially in our industry, in the digital industry now, like freelancing, contracting, it's been a very, very popular path for people since COVID-19. Like it's, it's yeah. boomed, it's exploded. Hmm. So what, what do you think about startups in 2022? Do you think people have got a good option to really continuing with that contracting, freelancing and build stuff? Or do you think people are going to come a bit lonely and, and kind of isolated with that as well? I think we're seeing both. We're definitely seeing people yeah. that want the freedom that sort of COVID allowed us more flexibility with our time and being able to work from home. And being able to choose the clients and choose your own hours, I think that's become a real draw for a lot of people. But the isolation is difficult. And that's actually why I started working in a co-working space. Because I go into the same co-working space as the Lightbulb Media crew. So okay. I can have a bit of like human interaction. And even if I'm sitting there at a desk, like working, I'm chatting. One of my clients works in there who's become a friend. And we'll pop out for lunch. We'll have sort of chat on our coffee breaks and everything. And it's just that for me has been a lifesaver. So I think if it's the isolation that's an issue, get yourself in a co-working space. Don't yeah. go back into a job if that is the only factor that's hard. If it's actually the team dynamic and the reliable salary and not having to do all the other things that come into running a business, because it's not just the fee earning stuff. It's the admin, the marketing, the accounting, the bookkeeping, like all of that. And it's not right for everybody. Not everybody yeah. wants to do all of those bits. I personally like it because I like to have a whole range of skills and I yeah. like to turn my hands to different things. And the first year of this business, and certainly when I ran my transcription business, I did it all myself. Now I've started to outsource it a lot more, the bits I'm not good at which is definitely the accounting. Yeah, no, um, <laughs> so now, now I outsource it because I just don't have the time or the inclination to do those things. And there are people much better at it than I am. But I completely understand. And, and I know a few people that are sort of considering going back into work at the moment who said, do you know, what? I love the work and I love my clients, but I don't love all the other stuff that goes into it yeah. and not being able to switch off at the end of the day. You've kind of made me smile there because I met up with one of my friends and, uh, Niall just said to me, like, he's kind of got to a place with his web development now. He's like an app developer, web developer. And he said he's got kind of like a plug and play situation with the contract. So he basically logs in, does what he needs to do. And some months he works more, some months he works less. And like he travels, he's trying to get all of the mixture. Whereas if you go back a couple of years, it was Niall was like really aggressively trying to, you know, scale, scale, scale and stuff and putting in a lot of hours. Mm. But now he's focusing a lot more, I think, on his mental health and and trying to get the balance in life because you're right it could be very easy to sit there and go oh I'm not going to watch Netflix tonight I'm going to go I'm going to go do two more hours work because I get paid an extra hundred quid or whatever it is. I think COVID's really accelerated our understanding of what makes us happy and what we want 
and you know for a lot of people that's been getting divorced yeah and separating <laughs> from partners um I think it's it's made a lot of us prioritize happiness and enjoyment yeah. in our lives more than the salary I know that's a very privileged thing to say and yeah. believe me you know I was in a position pr- prior to all of this that um I didn't have that luxury but when you do have that luxury and you can afford to say no to things you mm. got to say no sometimes we yeah. should be happy from when we wake up to when we go to bed or at least yeah, at points through that day and if you're doing a job or you're with a person that doesn't make you feel that way you can change it and there are other options and we should look at those other options. And I think COVID's really put a big magnifying glass over happiness. And I think that's partly why LinkedIn has changed so much is that people are getting a lot less serious because they're like, well, hold on a minute. I don't want to be boring at work. Like I want to have fun at work and I want to work with people that make me smile and make me feel good. And I want to network with those kinds of people. And the dynamic on there is massively shifted since COVID and I'm blamed quite often for it. Yeah, and, and it, guys, if you're listening to this and you're like, who's Leah Turner? Go type it into LinkedIn. LinkedIn. You don't even need to type Turner. Yeah, it'll just, pop yeah up. just type in Leah. Leah does LinkedIn and it will come up. <laughs> and she's got amazing tattoos. And yeah, probably not what you think about if you think about like someone training a load of lawyers at a conference about LinkedIn. So take, take a step back to 2019, October. You just put your son into childcare and you decided to log in. What was like the first thing? that like went through your mind so I didn't even have a photo I had my my business logo as my photo because I was like no one's going to take me seriously like bottle blonde hair (laughs) neck to toe in tattoos I am going to get run out of the corporate village with flaming pitchforks you know like (laughs) I don't belong here and my newsfeed because I'd never interacted my newsfeed was just full of promotional posts and people talking about their jobs or a salary increase Mm. all of that kind of guff that people think LinkedIn is so I logged straight back off I was like nope this is not for me I do not belong here and I think I I just sort of happened back across it I got one of those emails oh so and so has looked at your profile and I sort of looked again and I saw a couple of posts from some different people I sort of clicked around a bit and I was like Hmm, actually that's a bit more fun maybe it doesn't have to be so boring and I joined in the comment sections and had a bit of a banter backwards and forwards with a few different people and was like actually do you know what this isn't isn't that bad and I'm, I love to write I, I absolutely love writing writing is like my happy place so I sort of gave it a go and didn't get much I think my first someone actually scrolled back one of my friends scrolled back to my first ever LinkedIn post and it was eight eight likes on it old colleagues and people I went to school with oh my god the standard I was like oh cringe and then I just post I think I posted something one day about having accidentally headbutted a lamppost trying to get my son out of the car and people were like laughing and interacting with me going oh my god I've done that as well and I was like oh hold on a minute I can bring my humor into this because this is connecting with people and I got a couple of leads off the back of that post and I was like, this is so random. I don't understand why it's working, but it's working. So I carried on like that. And there was a job I was doing for some cow farmers. And they were talking about artificial cow insemination. And I wrote a post about, I shouldn't have said that while you were drinking water. Well, I'm drinking water. <laughs> and I spat it out. Um, so, and I wrote a post about like the weird jobs that I get and sort of said to people, you know, what's the weirdest job you've worked on? And that got a load of interaction. And so I was like, hold on a minute. My sense of humor is really doing well here. And so I relaxed and I, yeah. you know, I had a picture at that point and I sort of braved 
putting a photo of myself up saying, you know, I don't really look like I belong here, but I'm giving it a shot anyway. And it got really positive reactions. And loads of people, yeah. like I, I did get a few people like, so unprofessional. I was like, ah, yeah. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, after that, it sort of started picking up and people started noticing that I was different and yeah. fun and more focused on people joining my conversation rather than shouting at people. And that was it. And it just started taking off. My confidence grew and I started covering different subjects and being a bit more adventurous with my writing. I love it. And I guess fast forward three years, you in the first two years, you've you've hit what, 600K? I saw a post the other day. That's absolutely amazing. Where do you want to go next with that? Well, money's not the goal. I know that's so silly. Like, everyone's like, what? Money's not the goal. I I was happy when I had minimum wage. Like, I was a happy person. I had everything that I needed for me and my son. I worked hard, but I could cover our bills and scrimp and save so we could go traveling. For me, it's much more about the impact that I make. I struggle a lot with the whole being visible on social media because I'm not naturally like the kind of person that likes to be in the limelight. As much as that contradicts my appearance, I quite happily will be the person that blends in and no one ever notices me, tattoos or not, I'd rather blend in. But I love the messages that I get from people saying, I went into a job interview today and I didn't wear long sleeves. I let them my tattoos show and they hired me and they didn't care. You've made me feel more confident that I've actually gone for this job that I didn't think I'd be able to get and I got it and I'm so excited. And it was something that you wrote about this or something you said about neurodiversity and now I'm going to get assessed for ADHD because suddenly everything's making sense and all of these little things. And I'm like, whoa, something I said was what triggered them to do something that changed their life for the better. And that's like the drug. It's weird because I try not to internalize it too much because I don't want to get like a massive big head or a God complex or something. But it does really humble you and go, wow, I can start a ripple that turns into someone, a tidal wave in someone's life. That's what keeps me going with it all. I'm not the sort of person that plans. I allow life to happen. And then I go, well, that was fun. I'll do more of that. Because for me, enjoying what I do day to day is far more important than creating a million pound revenue. I, I don't care. It's not the priority. And I'm, I'm led by impact and happiness or driven by joy, as someone phrased it. Yeah, I think that's a really lovely way to put it. And actually, for myself as well, that's one of the reasons we have this podcast, because I love getting people on the show, which, number one, educates me, but also educates our listeners. And every single guest we've had on has got a good vibe to spread. And I think like, if you were to go back to maybe three or four years ago, you'd have a lot of corporate columns or whatever. <laughs> and it would have, this the show would have been, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you'd have uh, you've had a lot of corporate columns there, and it would. It, I don't feel like people are so true within themselves. Um, whereas I feel yeah. like the lockdowns actually pushed people to be more open, and I think that's great for mental health and loads yeah. of different reasons, really. So let's talk about your tribe. We briefly mentioned that a second ago. You've got a private community now. And the goal is for everyone to help each other learn. What's your plans for developing that community? So we launched it in June and we got 100 members straight away. I think we're up to about 160 members now. We've unfortunately lost a few because of the cost of living, which is to be expected. But it's mostly solopreneurs 
on the verge of starting out on their own, people with small businesses that want more than just LinkedIn training. They have a really active Slack group where they all support each other. And I'm there every single day offering personalized help, profile reviews for them, helping them write their headlines, helping them with their banners. Like It's a proper community. We have two masterclasses every month. And the masterclasses can range from sales mindset to we've got sales navigator training for LinkedIn. We've got company page training. We've had a guy did a mindfulness session for everybody. We've had how to do your own PR. We've had someone who was like a Canva expert that came in and gave a masterclass on how to get the best out of Canva. And we do two of those a month and we do a LinkedIn clinic. So the LinkedIn clinic, people submit their questions ahead of time or they want a profile review done live. And I do a one hour LinkedIn clinic where I answer as many of those questions as possible. If I don't get to them in the live class, I'll go back and message them personally with tailored answers. So rather than pay for my one-to-one training, which frankly is out of most people's budgets these days, and if they want more of an interactive support rather than say my digital course, they can join the community. And so many of the community have learned from me that if I'm not immediately available to answer the question, They will. I exclusively hire now from within the community when I need a freelancer. Loads of people are working with each other. It's £50 a month, which I got told off for when I initially talked about it. Everyone's like, that's ridiculous. You're giving all this value. I was like, yeah, but the point for me is to be able to help more people. Not, I make my money from my coaching. So the community, it covers what it costs me and a little bit extra to build up so we can invest but it's just become this incredible place and they're all sort of hosting their own little masterclasses within it and helping out other people there's so much collaboration and and mutual support and that's what really brings me joy to be able to have this inner sanctum of people to bounce ideas off of to get feedback from and they get feedback from each other it's called the halt um which stands i don't know if you've ever seen have you ever heard anything about the uh trans and gay scene in New York in the 80s, 70s and right. 80s. So there was a TV show that was all about it that I completely like binge watched called Pose. And they were talking about all these houses. Like a house was like a family of people. You'd have like a house mother that would look after these people that were sidelined by society. It's very much in the Black and Latina community. And they would have these houses with a house mother and she would nurture them all. And they would have these like big balls where they'd all be able to dress up and catwalk and dancing and stuff and I loved it and they'd have like the house of Evangelista and the house of Gucci and all of these like really elegant amazing names I was like I want to be a house mother I want to be a house mother (laughs) to my community I want to be the nurturing mum so I called it the house of LT so that's what Holt stands for I've got a prediction for you I think you're going to skyrocket it next year I think your following is going to boom I I put a beer on it I reckon I reckon next year is going to be the year where you get the most growth. Who knows? As long as people keep paying my my mortgage, I'm happy. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I think it's going to be really interesting. And I'm, I'm glad that I've been able to meet you actually on the podcast. Cause yeah, you went to talk next year. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Next year I'll be like, <laughs> God, yeah, that's 5,000 for the podcast. Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't charge Quite for podcasts. Just so, like anyone listening, there isn't, I don't charge people for podcast appearances. <laughs>
one of the key things you've really drilled in on is knowing your worth and charging your worth. Tell us a little bit about that. That's something that really was difficult for me at the beginning Mm. because when I first started LinkedIn training, I was charging £99 for an hour of my time. And for context, I used to earn that in 10 hours of time. So for me, that was like, oh my God. Like I'm earning a day's wages in an hour just talking to people. This is insane. And then I did a couple of training sessions with some women that were very successful women. And they went, what the hell are you doing? For what you've just given me, you should have charged me three times as much. Some of them actually paid me more because they were like, Mm. you have not charged me enough. You're massively undercharging. So it was other people initially that said to me, you've got to put your rates up. And then I did. So I went from 99 to 199. And I was like dancing on the ceiling like oh my god I just made like three thousand pounds in a month I was so excited like that was two and a bit months wages for me that I'd made in one month I was like oh my god this is amazing um but then I was so booked I was so fully booked that I was like I don't have enough hours in the day I'm exhausted because one-to-one coaching you're spending an hour two hours with somebody and it's quite intense it takes a lot of energy to to do that and be animated and really pay attention so I then quickly put my rates up to 350 for 90 minutes and at this point I was like this is fucking ridiculous no one is going to pay it no, no one is going to pay me that much for uh, an hour and a half of my time. Now it's £3,000 to work with me for three hours. Oh my God. Which amazing. is like, that is two months wages that I've just booked two of those this morning. Oh my God. Which, That's yeah. Amazing. So and it sounds like I'm bragging and I, I'm not bragging. That's not how I mean it to come across. But you can imagine the mindset shift from someone who's grown yeah. up poor who's had to scrape together to afford rent at the end of the month and had to always make sure I was checking my bank account before I went for a Tesco shop. Well, let's be real. It was an Audi shop. Still is usually (laughs) an Audi shop. (laughs) Um, So it's that mindset was very difficult for me because I just, everything was equated to time. This is how much time that I'm giving in exchange for this much money. But then I had to switch my mindset and go, hold on a minute, because it's not about the time. It might only be three hours of my time, but what I'm giving these people is confidence and understanding and strategy and being able to connect the dots to go out and make a lot of money for their business. And it's one training session, and then they've got that for the rest of their lives with their business. Mm. And they're going out and making thousands and thousands of pounds every month with what they've learned from me. And that was where the switch came. And I started going, well, hold on a minute. If I charge them two and a half thousand pounds plus VAT to work with me, they are going to make that back within the first six months with what they're implementing. But once they've started getting that consistency and once they've started getting into a posting rhythm and they've got their confidence up and they're getting those clients in, it's ongoing and like I worked with one guy, we changed his headline in his profile and he made 60 grand in six weeks. That's it. He didn't do anything else. That's all we changed. But it was me knowing exactly what he needed to say. It's like picking a, a strap line for a brand or something, like helping yeah. him to create a great headline and say, right, your headline, now go and comment here. Go and comment here. Go and leave comments here. And he's making an extra £150,000 recurring each year as a direct result of what we learned. And he initially wow. paid me less than £1,000. That was where I went, hold on a minute. It's not about time. Mm. It's about what I give them and what they can achieve with that. This next part of the podcast is really geared as a question from Indri, who I've been talking about 
in the earlier parts of this show. And uh, one of the things she really wanted to know more about is authenticity and being yourself. I think people misconceive me as a really confident person. I'm not necessarily that confident. I have crushing imposter syndrome literally on the daily, but I, I don't let it win because letting it win doesn't allow you to go where you deserve to be. It doesn't feel good to pretend to be somebody else. And I don't want to do things that don't feel good. And also, if somebody likes you for someone you're not actually, then they don't really like you. And if you're constantly playing a character, people might love or hate that character, but you can't internalize that. You can't let that boost your self-esteem. You can't let that boost your confidence because it's not really you. So they're just liking a caricature of who they think you are. So for me, if I actually want to go places in life, if I want to feel good about what I'm doing by being myself, and okay, not everyone likes me. I know that there are lots of people that don't like me and I'm okay with that because they're not my clients. But the people that see who I really am and are attracted to that in whatever way, drawn to it, they become the biggest supporters ever. They tell their friends about me and they talk to their families about me. It's the weirdest thing ever. I have people say, oh, I had, had a dream about you last night. We were talking about you at the dinner table last night. My daughter started singing your jingle when she's washing the dishes. And I'm like, oh my God, like I'm penetrating people's lives. But there's so much like good feelings surrounding that. And I'm like, like I'm making people smile. This feels really good. And I'm just doing it by being me. But that wouldn't feel good if I wasn't being me. That would just be like someone saying that they loved a character in a soap opera to an actress and the actress is like yeah cool but that's not me so really the only way I can continue to do what I do is to do it in a way that feels good for me and pretending to be something I'm not is never going to be that but I think the most powerful thing about being authentic is that it gives everybody else the permission to be that way as well it's almost like by being my weird goofy talkative self it gives other people that space to take that deep breath and go, I can drop the pretense with her. I don't have to pretend to be this version of myself. I can embrace the things that make me different and I can breathe out, you know, like, well, you're not a woman, but like taking your bra off at the end of the day, you're like, finally, this feels so good and relaxed. And it's like, because I'm that way, people feel like they can take their metaphorical bra off around me and not have to pretend to be something that they're not. You mentioned there that not everyone loves you, but I actually, I don't see why anyone wouldn't. Some people will get jealous or people will get annoyed or whatever over content. But at the end of the day, I think being yourself and being authentic is the best way forward. Hats off. I'm not going to take my hat off because it will throw my headphones off. But yeah. <laughs> We've had enough technical glitches. <laughs> We've had enough technical glitches for that. Um, so we're, we're kind of coming towards the end of the podcast. We've got a couple of things left. One of the things that I want to tap into, because there's going to be a huge market of people there that, like yourself, single mum, trying to run a business, trying to run a job, trying to do everything, really. What kind of tips have you picked up as you've become more popular across the last couple of years? And what advice would you give to those people that are struggling to kind of get to where they want in life, I guess? If we're not just talking LinkedIn tips, we're talking kind of business tips in general. It's, I think you need to learn to be happy with less. I think that's been the thing for me is that I've stopped trying to keep up with what everybody else is doing and done what makes me happy. And I've stopped trying to live my life in accordance to what other people consider success. So for me, success was traveling the world with my son. Okay, I didn't have much money in the bank, running close to the red every month, but I was happy. 
And that made me a better person. That made me a better mother. And I think if I constantly was comparing myself to others, I had friends that had jobs that paid a lot more than me. Uh, They had partners and husbands and I compared myself to them. And I was like, but I'm happy as I am. I've got my little boy and my life is pretty great, even when I had nothing. And I think if you can become happy and realise and live in gratitude for what you do have, rather than constantly feeling discontent with what you don't have, then it becomes easier to get the things that you don't have because you're following the joy. And when you do things that make you happy, they lead you to further opportunities because you're putting out this positive energy to the world, which people gravitate towards. People want to be around people that are happy because it makes them feel more happy and more positive. And we crave those feelings as human beings. It comes back to the fact that I lost my dad when my dad was 41 when he died and I was only 10. And so he lived a life, he traveled the world, he'd been in the Navy, he'd fallen in love, he'd had two children. He'd really lived a life for a man of 41, but he still lost his life. And so for me, I'm like, I'm not far off how old my dad was when he died. And if I died at 41, would I have really lived? Would I die happy? My dad was poor. We had no money. He was a window cleaner. Like we were dirt poor, but we were happy. When he died, the church was full. The funeral was packed. There was hundreds of people and they all cared about him because he'd been their window cleaner and told them jokes and sung songs and made people happy. And I think that's always the focus for me is if I die and that funeral, if it's full of people whose lives I positively impacted, that's the thing that I want. And it becomes easier to pursue happiness when you are grateful, it's easier to be happy when you are grateful for what you already have. So I think before you do anything, it's you need to focus on what's not making you happy, but not just the things like the feelings that it's giving you and why and pinpoint the things in your life that aren't where you want them to be and making a roadmap as to how and what you need to be able to get there. And are you actually trying to get there because it's what you really want or because you think it's going to impress other people or what other people want for you? That's been the key is doing the things that make me happy and then finding a way to do them for money and finding people that need what I do and not just the the actual skills. What do you know? What can you do? What can you apply? What can you teach people? What can you share with people that you can leverage? And then once you've got clients, treat them bloody well, really well, exceed expectations and it will lead to more clients and more clients and more clients. And then you can give up the job that you hate and follow your dreams. It's something you love, yeah. That's a really lovely way to end the podcast. We've got one last question, which we ask every guest, which is what is the best bit of advice you've ever received? So it's not so much advice, but it's a motto that I live my life by. And it actually does come back to my dad. And it's it's tattooed on my hand. During my dad's funeral, they played a song called He Ain't Heavy, He's My Brother by Mm. the Hollies. And there's a line in it that says, so on we go. And I think that's been something that's run through my life. Doesn't matter what happens, just got to keep going. Yeah. It's okay to fall down. You've got to get back up. You've got to keep going because there's no one else that's ever going to do that for you. You yeah. you can have all the help in the world, whether it's your mental health, whatever's going wrong, you can have all the help in the world, but you have to want to get yeah. up and keep going. And if you can do that, you will find your way to good things. It's just sometimes really bloody tough. Leah, it has been so, so amazing to have you on the show. Honestly, I've really enjoyed this episode. And... Um, in terms of finding Leah on LinkedIn, it's L-E-A. Yes. It's a personal branding thing, but or if that's actually... No, it's just my short version of my full name, but we won't talk about that. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> <laughs> so it's Leah, 
Elia Turner, and you can just find her on LinkedIn, sharing her happy vibes. Try um, avoiding me. Yeah, try avoiding her. Yeah. <laughs> but thank you so much. I've honestly loved it. So um, on to the next okay. show. And yeah, we'll catch up in Manchester in two weeks. Yeah, give me a shout. Let me know when you're about and we'll see what we can do. Fantastic. And thank you to everyone who's been following us through the first season. This is really entering the second season with a bang. So thank you, Leah. Over and out. See you in the next episode.